Roger that, Houston. All systems five by five. But what if there is no tomorrow? There wasn't one today. Welcome to the... <laughs> oh, you're back. Yeah, I'm back. <laughs> Sorry, take it away. What was the feedback that you had? Uh, that I was amazing. It took the podcast to a new level of shambolic amateur of amateurishness. Yeah. Can't even say the word, this is why we need you. Yeah. I noticed that the positive feedback came from a fun jarving. <laughs> Senior jump farthing uh, looks especially like me with a moustache. Anyway, welcome to the Nerdfest podcast. Today we've got Dan Watkins, Ian McLaughlin, Peter Johnson, Don Farthing, <laughs> and I'm Hazel Burton. On the show today, we've got some new recommendations, a totally relevant Oscars discussion, and we're all going to get our sweepstake choices. So let's get going. Ian, it's lovely to see your face. Ooh. <laughs> Not Thank so you. sure about the rest of you. No, yeah. We've missed you. Yeah, I've missed you too. Sorry I've been away. Um, I've got a life. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to have you back as well, Hazel. Yes, thank you so much for and stepping in. Thank you. <laughs> I had the flu last time we recorded, but John... Quotes, flu. Girl flu. Let me get <laughs> one thing straight. I could not leave my bed for four days. It was, it was more <laughs> than a cold. <laughs> Your boyfriend must be very good then. <laughs> All very bad, one of the two. <laughs> but yes, you did an okay job hosting, John. Thank you very much. You uh, gave me a lot of sensible reasons for me not being there. We did miss you a tiny <laughs> bit. So in the first part of the show, we're going to talk about some new recommendations. Ian, what have you been up to? I have been uh, playing a really amazing game. It's called Among the Sleep. It's a first-person horror adventure. But what's incredible about it is that you play the part of a young baby like a 12, 18-month-old baby, and it starts off all sweet, and your mother's cuddling you and loving you, and she puts you to bed and leaves, and then things turn very dark. Suddenly the baby doesn't recognise its surroundings anymore, and you have to crawl out of your cot. And the only friend you have is your teddy bear who talks to you. He's kind of like your guide through the story. And it becomes this nightmarish journey where the whole house turns into a horror zone, and you're running away from these dark shadows constantly that you can't quite see. It's genuinely terrifying especially if you wear the headphones. And you go on this journey to try and find your mother, who seems to be lost. I won't give away the ending, but it's one of the darkest endings to a game I've ever known. I highly recommend it. You must play the game. It's brilliant. Mm. It's very simple. There's no fighting. You don't die. But it is genuinely creepy as you try to make your way through and find the clues and try to understand the story. So is it like a story you play through rather than a sort of exploratory game? No, it's very much an exploratory game. Mm -hmm. um, there isn't really a story to it. You literally are lost and you enter all these different zones that are incredibly strange. You go through a portal and the house becomes this old, broken place that may, may, may be in the future. All the things you recognise, pictures are all being corrupted. Uh, there's something behind every corner, this thing that's chasing you, these shadows that are constantly coming after you. The only defence you have is to cuddle your teddy bear. Wow. And it calms you down. Yeah. And that's all you have in the game. It's absolutely brilliant. And how much gameplay is there? I reckon you can get through the game in about four hours. It's quite a short game. But it's genuinely moving. And you do feel like totally vulnerable as this child, mm. this little baby. You know? mm. And it's, it's done um, first-person perspective, so all you see is the baby's hands. Uh, and you're crawling along. You can't run, obviously, because mm. you're a baby. You can hide in cupboards from the things coming past. 
even strawberries become monsters. That's all I'll say. Mm-hmm. Is this on the Xbox? Uh, it's on Xbox and it's on PS4 and on Steam as well. Huh? And it's quite cheap. I think it's about £10. It's definitely worth a play. Mm-hmm. Mm. It sounds scary just hearing about it. It is terrifying. <laughs> yeah. It's genuinely terrifying. I will download. <laughs> as will Jackie Doodle. Yeah. <laughs> Dan, how about you? Uh, yeah, I've got a not very nerdy recommendation, but it is based on a comic, so I think I can get away with it. Mm-hmm. We have started watching Riverdale on Netflix, which is a teen drama based on the Archie comics. It's like the OC, but for people who are too young to remember the OC. Um, I remember the OC. As do I. Yes. And it's like reliving that, but for the modern generation with smartphones but with hints of murder mysteries and all sorts of heightened suburban reality type stuff going on in the background. So there's hints of Desperate Housewives and Twin Peaksy mysteries and things like that in there as well, amongst the usual teen drama. And it's just very watchable. Lots of good guest stars turn up. Uh, Molly Ringwald from The Breakfast Club uh, appears for a little bit. What does she look like nowadays? Um, My partner Amy could not bear to watch her for (laughs) her... uh, and she had work done. It would appear so, but I don't want to cast any aspersions on Molly Ringwald nor her choices, but markedly different to her heyday, shall we say. This is based on um, Archie and the Jugheads, isn't it? Yes. I assume from that it's very different to the source material. There's kind of little hints to it. So Jughead, the character in the comics, always has a silly crown-type hat on. And he's wearing just a regular beanie hat in the series, but with the same patterns as his comic character would have. So there are hints to it. There's the occasional daydream sequence where they're all dressed as they were in the 50s comics. Josie and the Pussycats turn up. Um, I think as the series goes on, you get hints to other comics like the original Sabrina Mm -hmm. that get woven into it as well as things get darker and uh, raunchier than I think the comics ever did, not having read many of them. I'm assuming there's no Bill Cosby doing voiceover on this version. I'm sure there was a cartoon in the 60s featuring Bill Cosby. We're into season two now. He hasn't shown up yet. Well, he's not going to then now, is he? Probably not. I think he's busy. They get one phone call a week, don't they? (laughs) (laughs) LAUGHTER Uh, Yeah, so if you just want a nice, easily watchable drama with lots of twists and turns, then Riverdale's worth a go. Especially if you uh, long for the OC. I don't really. It was quite shite. What? The OC? No. Appalling acting, cliché to fuck. It's awful. It's one of the greatest TV programmes ever produced, I think you'll find. Okay, I now feel ashamed that I introduced you to the West Wing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Did anyone see the movie they made of Josie and the Pussycats? Yes, it's great. Quite a while ago. It's yeah. such a weird film. It's really strange because it's this sort of surreal story, nominally about a group, but in practice it's about commercialism and how advertising's everywhere. And throughout the entire film, there's just branding literally everywhere you look. You imagine if you tried to blur that movie out where all the adverts were, it would just be like a mush of pixels. You wouldn't see a thing. And the weird thing is, they weren't paid anything for any of that advertising. It was all stuff they got the companies to agree to have their brands used. In that sense? Yeah. That's really it. I didn't know that. I just assumed they'd been forced to do all the product placement and just decided to go really blatant with it to make a point. <laughs> well, it's well worth watching just as a curiosity more than anything else. 
But it's all the other bits that are really strange and surreal that make it fun to watch. Yeah, it's got a good Alan Cumming performance in it as well. Oh, he always makes a movie good. He does. Yeah. Yeah, so Josie and the Pussycats turn up in Riverdale, but they are a different genre of music than they were in the film. They're kind of modern synth pop. Mm -hmm. Not my kind of thing, but I imagine the teens of today like it. The teens of today. The teens How of old today. Are you? I'm forty-seven. <laughs> you are old not. man, Dan. Yeah. Oh my knees. Oh my back. <laughs> Etc. So yeah, um, I recommend Riverdale unless you hated the OC like Hazel. I was too old for it. I think I never saw the OC. Did you watch Nine Hundred Two One Zero? No. No. Which Save one? by the Bell. Oh, oh. Save the Bell's amazing. Yeah. Have you put a DNS thing on your computer so your computer thinks it's in America? On Crackle, which is an American TV streaming thing, you can get every episode of Saved by the Bell on there. Have you seen my screech from Saved by the Bell impression? No, but I'm going to. Are you ready? Yep. <laughs> That's brilliant audio podcast, but that is also quite uncanny. <laughs> we'll take a photo and tweet it. <laughs> <laughs> he made a porno, didn't he, after Saved by the Bell end? Called... Is that the expression he used? <laughs> Uh, it was you just it was saved was by the bell end. <laughs> <laughs> After saved by the bell end, I don't think that's what it was that's called. what it should be called. It was called screeched. Yeah, there was um, there's a really good ebook called So Excited, So Scared, which runs through every episode of Saved by the Bell. The author Stuart Millard bought a box set and just reviewed and recapped and researched every single episode as it went on and tried to make sense of all of the mad continuity and separate branching universes that it ended up having, which is stupidly complicated for a high school teen sitcom. But it's a really good read. I hate that series. Oh, (gasps) Oh, you and I are going to have words. I just wanted to punch Screech in the face constantly. (laughs) Does does this help then? (laughs) <laughs> as did everybody else on the show by the sounds of the of the book yeah. he, like nobody really got on with Dustin Diamond that's because he's a total cock yeah. and he decided somewhere around season three that he really 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 wanted to play Shaggy in a live action version of Scooby-Doo so turned Screech into his impression of Shaggy which is really bad for the show and you can tell that everybody is hating to be on screen with him mm-hmm. and that's when he started using Shaggy catchphrases like zoinks and that oh, kind of thing, because he's trying to audition for Shaggy in uh, a Scooby-Doo movie. And did he talk in this sort of voice all the way? He did. <laughs> Who was that, Peter? <laughs> That's Peter's just hit puberty. <laughs> very, very late. Anyway, so what's I recommending Saved by the Bell? I can't remember, but I do. <laughs> I recommend Saved by the Bell. Riverdale. Oh, that, yeah, that's good too. <laughs> so my recommendation is a person... Sort of. Um, it's not Chris Hensworth. It's me, it's me, it's me. It's me. Uh, anyway, thank you in advance for your <laughs> kind words about it. What? What? Have you ever seen the thing where Michael Jackson's been asked to give a Lifetime Achievement Award and he thinks he's won it? So he goes up and starts giving an acceptance speech as people try to explain to him that no, he's supposed to be giving it to somebody else. It's one of the best oh. YouTube not clips. I've seen that at all. No. That so, sounds like an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm. Anyway, yeah, my recommendation is a person. Uh, so this person has produced two things that I've been watching in parallel with each other. And that person is Richard Iowadi. Oh, yeah. Okay. So the first thing I've been watching, and it's been out for a few years, TV show called Travel Man. Anyone watched it? Mm-hmm. This is him going around various popular tourist destinations like Barcelona, Dubai, mainly European. And he's accompanied usually by a 
celebrity, normally a UK comedian, but he's also had Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd went to Finland with him. Yeah, that seemed weird. It was awesome. (laughs) Uh, They had a sauna together and then they had Burger King in that sauna. John Hamm's been on it. Rob Delaney went to Seville with him. And it's kind of like 48 hours uh, within that city. Everything is priced, so you get a good idea on what you can afford as well. It's not really a kind of a travel information documentary type thing. It's kind of quirky things to do within a city. It's more them having a good time. (laughs) Yeah, but it's like you do learn interesting facts. Like when you go to Rome, you hear interesting facts about the Colosseum and the Trevi Fountain. But it's the banter between the two that works really, really well. And it's also Richard Ayoade's kind of self-deprecating humour. But also he's very, very hard to impress as well. He likes to come across like that. And his put-downs are hilarious. So when they're in Barcelona and they're taking a tour of the New Camp, the tour is advertised as being a tour of emotions. And he says to Kathy Burke, boredom's an emotion, right? <laughs> not a football fan. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's not like an advert for that city or that tourist um, trap or whatever it is. It's the kind of fun that I would like to have on a holiday, like finding the weird stuff, the, the kooky stuff, and, and kind of commenting about it whilst you know exploring some new adventures i felt a lot of empathy towards it because that's how i'd like to enjoy a holiday did you watch the show it kind of grew out of which is gadget man that's next on the list so i haven't seen (laughs) that yeah submarine is my all-time favorite coming of age movie Mm, directed Mm. by iwadi yeah he has this strange dual career where he's a comedian and tv personality but then also goes and directs quite arty and he did a film version of the double didn't he the uh, dostoevsky jesse eisenberg yeah yeah has anyone read iwadi's book which i have in front of me called iwadi on iwadi a cinematic odyssey i'll read the back cover so you get a sense in this book, Richard Ayoade, actor, writer, director and amateur dentist, reflects on his cinematic legacy as only he can in conversation with himself. Over 10 brilliantly insightful and often erotic interviews, <laughs> Ayoade examines Ayoade fully and without mercy, leading a breathless investigation into this once-in-a-generation visionary. Take the journey and your life will never be the same ever again. And it is brilliant. It's a direct play on that kind of directors on directors sort of style where it's it's Ayoade interviewing himself, but to the style of a film script and it just descends into utter, utter nonsense. The Ayoade who's being interviewed is cast as this neurotic and paranoid director who thinks incredibly highly of himself, but also can be brought down by a single question and will often go off in a huff. It's one of the strangest books I've ever read. I very rarely laugh out loud at a book and this one I'm about halfway through and it's just brilliant. It is a quite a, an interesting journey into cinema as well. He does a lot of crazy references about cinema, but he puts a few true facts in there to show that he does know what he's talking about. So if you'd like to learn about cinema as well, it's a really good book to read. He's got a new book out, but I think it's a similar thing. It's the autobiography of a, a fictional film director. It's quite Python-esque in its kind of comedy and its surrealism. Oh, and the interviewer as well breaks through the fourth wall by dropping in footnotes, which add context to what Ayoade, the the director, is saying, but also kind of disproves what he's saying as well. So it's really, really funny. So is it written like a script? And it says interviewer, director, interviewer, director. It's Ayoade in bold letters and then Ayoade in unbold letters. (laughs) So you make the difference between Unbold the two. letters. Unbold, that's how he so Just letters then. Just letters, yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, 
uh, he's probably my favorite comedian at the moment and what he brings Cheers. to <laughs> <laughs> that's what you get for uh, everything you've done to me over the past five years <laughs> yeah the, his dry sense of humor his surrealism is um wonderful and i love everything he brings to every panel show every tv show that he presents awesome move over chris do you know what? Is, is he sexy? Yeah, he is a bit sexy. He has a bit of a <laughs> nerdy sex appeal. I think he's quite I buff would. underneath those tweed jackets. He never, yeah, he never. Um, so they quite often go in, uh, yeah, if it's a sauna or a pool, and he never takes his top off, which makes me even more intrigued. I think it's a bit like um, the guy from um, think, they think The Good cheated. Place. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was yes. weird, wasn't it? Yeah. He suddenly he's took stacked. his top off, and you go, what? He's, why has he been hiding that? I finished that the other day. Pardon? Tears. <laughs> finished cheating, yeah. <laughs> the good place. Emotional. Good recommendation. Thank you. I like that a lot. I'm going to recommend with reservations the new version of Suspiria, which is out, I think, on DVD. Well, whatever the 21st century equivalent of DVD is. Um, this week has, has just come out. So this is a remake of the Dario Argento film, the 70s Italian horror film, where a young American woman goes to a ballet school in East Germany and spooky things happen. It's a very, very loose remake. The, the general beats of the plot are the same. The ending's completely different and most of the events are different and the... Argento one, which I think is a better film, is much more of a traditional horror movie, whereas this one is more surreal, um, psychological horror rather than straight horror. And if anything, it goes too far into arty pretension in that it's embarrassed to be a horror film, maybe, apart from the last 20 minutes where it goes down that route. Really, really well acted. Uh, Dakota Fanning is in it. Uh, Tilda Swinton is in it a number of times. Do you mean Dakota Johnson? Is that the same person? No. no. <laughs> Dakota Johnson's the one from Fifty Shades of Grey. I've not the seen that of film. Melanie Griffith yes. and Don Johnson. Really? I did not know that. Dakota Fanning is uh, someone else. Okay, well, there's a Dakota. Who was in The War of the Worlds yes. with Tom Cruise. A, a Dakota is in it. Uh, Tilda Swinton is in it more than once. I will say nothing further than that. Is that Tilda Swinton or Milda? Milda Milda Binton. It's nicely done, but it's not the original. Um, I think what I miss most of the original is just it looks amazing, the Argento version. Really bright, crazy, surrealist colour schemes. And it's gone instead of that for kind of a muted grey-brown set in Berlin in the 70s. So you've got some stuff about sort of the division of Germany, East and West Germany, underneath there as a subtext. And it's also very much a feminist film. It's a ballet school that is all women, is run by women, and the only man in it is quite ineffectual, really. And without spoiling too much, is actually outside the context of the film, not even a man. I think it's it's fairly common knowledge that, that Tilda, Tilda Swinton played an old German man in the yeah, film. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think that's her only other appearance. I think she's in it again. I would need to check that up. Yeah. Uh, after watching Tom Lenk from Buffy's Fringe show, where he plays Tilda Swinton and really gets into her head, it doesn't surprise me if she actually ended up playing all the characters in Suspiria yeah. <laughs> and we just don't know it yet. <laughs> she's very much the best thing in it. She's, she's great in it. I enjoyed it, but I felt a bit sad that it felt embarrassed to be a horror film. Like it couldn't just be that. 
And the soundtrack's amazing. It's uh, Tom York from Radiohead, who just done some original films and also a score for it. And it sounds amazing. The sound design is amazing. And there's one sequence in the middle, which I've not seen done before, in terms of something horrible happens to one of the characters. But it's shot in a very interesting way, and what happens to it is very interesting, and it, and, it, and it looks great. And that's really the centerpiece of the film. Unfortunately, it's 40 minutes in, the film's two and a half hours long. <laughs> no film needs to be more than two hours. Endgame is three hours, I believe. Really? Mm-hmm. At the moment. Yeah, rumoured to even have an intermission. Which would be awesome, because that's how I grew up in the cinema that I did. Um, always, It still has an intermission with a guy who comes up from beneath the screen playing the organ whilst the disco lights descend. <laughs> Is he played by Terry Jones? I still remember they used to play the national anthem before every movie. Yes. Yeah. Mm. That was during the war, wasn't it? When they <laughs> Yeah, the, the Crimean War. <laughs> so yes, that is my recommendation with reservations. There's enough in there to go and see it, but don't go in expecting your world to be blown away. I think had I not built it up, I was like, I'm really going to enjoy this. Because you really liked the original, didn't you? I did, yeah. So the original is probably my top 10 horror films. And I knew they were going in a different direction with it. It's very Black Swan. Uh, but if you enjoy Black Swan, you'll, you'll enjoy this. Unfortunately, no scene of... <laughs> I, do I don't need to go there. any further, do I? We all know the scene I'm talking about. <laughs> the one where they do ballet? Of course, oh. yes. Not seeing Black Swan, but I think... Are you talking about lesbianism? And masturbation. So I'm just in my oh. happy, happy place. Is it? Nez- is it? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Myla Kunis in Natalie Portman's happy place. Let's leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen the film. I don't remember that bit. Can't be done very well. Peter. My recommendation is Alita Battle Angel. Has anyone seen that yet? No. We are going next weekend to see it. Okay. Well, I'll not spoil it too much. It's based on a popular manga and it was optioned years ago by James Cameron. He wrote a screenplay about the same time as he wrote Avatar. The two were jockeying against each other for production, and in the end, obviously, he made Avatar. After that, he got too wrapped up in underwater expl- exploration, and... Um, <laughs> thank you, Ian. <laughs> Is that again, Peter? <clears throat> After that, he got too wrapped up in underwater exploration and unnecessary Avatar sequels. Like in the bath. <laughs> <laughs> that is the name of Avatar 4. <laughs> She says, Cameron, you'll pay to see anything I make, won't you? <laughs> this is a $150 million budget. I've spunked it all away. <laughs> Literally and figuratively. Sorry, Peter, continue. <laughs> Underwater what? <sighs> Instead, he made Avatar, and then he got too wrapped up in exploring the bottom of the ocean and making lots of sequels. <laughs> Will you? Oh, for fuck's sake. It's because you did you decided not to do exploration because you couldn't do it. So you don't, <laughs> yeah, you do a different phrasing. It's just funny. <laughs> I'm doing underwater stuff. <laughs> Sorry, go on, Peter. Go on, go. I've just got my head out exploring the bottom of Billy Ocean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Where the going gets tough. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, he was tied up too much with that and making Avatar sequels that. You're not helping either. Sorry, it was a tied up. Sorry. <laughs> That's why he's in the bath. Yeah. <sighs> Underwater exploration. Would <laughs> you like me to read your notes? <laughs> it, might be, it might be easier. One pint of milk, half a loaf of bread, six eggs. <laughs> so he handed off directorial duties to Robert Rodriguez, 
of uh, Desperado, Spy Kids fame. But Cameron still stayed on as producer, obviously wrote the script. And if anything, it feels a bit more like his film than Rodriguez's. Uh, It starts a few hundred years after a war tore the world apart, with Christoph Waltz searching through a dump, a bit like a futuristic womble. He finds the head and torso of a droid, which he takes home and integrates with a robot girl body he'd created for his dead daughter. We then explore this world through her eyes. Her giant eyes. There are hints she isn't what she seems, as she has amazing fighting skills and does really well in a pickup game of Motorball, which is a bit like Rollerball, a cross between a roller derby and robot wars. Rollerball is a film. Okay. Can I just say, who hasn't picked up a girl in a dump, taken her home, and she turned out to be not exactly what you expected? (laughs) (laughs) She meets a street punk with a dodgy sideline in trading robot parts, falls in love, and starts to get flashbacks that tell us she used to be a battle droid. Roger, roger. Yeah. (laughs) Disturbingly, she later gets the body of a fully grown woman, and then morphs it into a more mature, curvier female form. They grow up so fast. (laughs) Peter going a bit Daily Mail there. <laughs> <laughs> and that, Your Honour, is the case for the defence. <laughs> <laughs> One problem with the story, having been written and adapted so long ago, is if you've seen lots of sci-fi films, you've probably seen all the component parts of it. It doesn't feel much like a Rodriguez film. They're usually a bit homebrew somehow, because he writes, directs, edits, and even writes the music for most of his films most expensive so far is about 40 million and this is at least three times that cameron apparently told him if he's going to direct the film he had to just direct it he couldn't do everything like he always does and that's maybe why it has a little less of his personality in it the world's well realized it's like a series of colorful vertical high-rise structures a bit like the stacks in ready player one i guess above folks the sky city where all the rich people live and where all the ground dwellers aspire to be Despite the colourful look, it felt a bit like Dark City, but it had elements of Rollerball, Pinocchio, Robocop, Demolition Man, and even Die Hard in it. There's one shot of someone kind of falling through the clouds. And a bit of Elysium as well with the city and the yes. sky for the rich people. Yeah. Or that weird film where there was an entire other world upside down above you. All upside down. Yeah. Oh. Christoph Waltz great, as usual, and he really helps sell the relationship with Alita. The sort of low-level bad guy is Ed Scrine, who plays this irritatingly cocky and vain hunter-warrior droid. Ed Scrine, he was the guy who played What's-His-Face in Game of Thrones before somebody Dariona else did it. Dariona Harris. Dariona Harris, that's the one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's annoying, but also good fun. And obviously when he gets his sort of comeuppance in the end, you're happy with that. Vectors, played by Mahashala Ali, who seems to be in everything mm-hmm. now. Yep. Uh, I just watched him last night in Green Book, last year's Moonlight. Cottonmouth in Luke Cage. He's much more like Cottonmouth here than he is in Green Book. And he's in True Detective, is it? He's the, season three, yeah. Yeah, if anyone's still watching that after the second season. Apparently season three is very good, but I was so hurt, disappointed, violated, devastated, inappropriately touched by season <laughs> two that I never want to see that show again. Yeah, I didn't like it much either. He's also in uh, Hidden Figures. Yes, he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. Is he? Okay. Yeah, the 4400. Mm-hmm. Plays centre forward for Leeds United. He does. <laughs> he's in that um, Finder's Crispy Pancakes outfit. <laughs> he's, he's the new Captain Bird's eye. <laughs> anyway, so most of the acting's good, but, but the weakest guy is the street punk played by Kian Johnson. He just hasn't got the charisma to work with Alita. Rosa Salazar plays Alita really well. She brings a lot of emotion to the character. It really feels acted rather than animated. 
can't quite figure out whether it's motion captured or whether there's just a lot of CGI augmentation on the face. The entire thing's performance captured. Mm -hmm. She wears a performance capture suit, the sort of tight suit with ping pong balls all over. And then they use a head rig on the face that scans that into a sort of 3D image as she's performing. And they sometimes also use like data gloves that measure how the fingers deform. Although you can't tell looking at it, literally all of her is just replaced and is digital. Ian, you and I have worked on doing motion capture before we have for a video game. Been in the tight leotards with the ping pong balls. <laughs> well, on. you have. I was. Uh, I looked very fetching. <laughs> <laughs> we can uh, tweet the picture to prove or disprove that <laughs> allegation. So, what was this for? It was for a game that Peter was working on. Peter uh, was the uh, leader of a game studio at one point in his uh, illustrious career. Rage Software, I believe, wasn't it? It was, a, it was after Rage. Rage for the first ones and 2K games 2K, for the yeah. second one. So we did two Rocky games together and then we also did a Don King, Don King game. So were you Don King? I was various characters in it. I played Burgess Meredith's part mm-hmm. I, in, the, in the Rocky Mickey. games, yeah. But it's a, it's a really interesting thing to do. Uh, you're in this big sort of warehouse room and there are like 30-odd cameras all the way around the room with these sort of infrared sensors on them which light up the ping-pong balls which the cameras catch. And you can literally see yourself moving in real time, like a wireframe of yourself, capturing every bit of movement you have. It's, it's brilliant. I love it. That explains what that lady in Bangkok was doing then. I thought <laughs> so she was making a film. It all makes sense now. <laughs> Look forward to seeing that. So, Alita. Overall, it's a good film. I enjoyed it. But it's more interesting, perhaps, for the technology and world building than for the narrative. I'd give it seven and a half dismembered body parts out of ten. Excellent. I would give Suspiria... Seven Tilda Swinton rolls out of ten. I would give Among the Sleep ten gagas. I would give Riverdale seven Josies and one Pussycat. Uh, I would give Travel Man nine Iowadis and one half an Adawadi. So that'd be a, a Wadi. <laughs> so in this next segment... We're going to be doing our annual Oscars sweepstake live on the podcast. Is that out of your boyfriend's hat? Well, one hat is my boyfriend's, one hat is mine. So the one you have to be wary of is the one that says Durham County Cricket Club. Wary of. The one that you're absolutely fine with is Lincolnshire County Cricket Club. Oh, is this a crickety rivalry between you and your better half? Or is it just a... Better. Hats. It's just, just, <laughs> just hats. The hats, the hats we have. <laughs> he did point out that we only really need one hat with the best picture nominations because we can just go, hey, Dan, put your hand in and you'll get a film. I was thinking he meant in life, like we only need one hat. <laughs> like we'll just get oh, one no. big hat. And... <laughs> but um, I have two hats because I don't see why we can't make something that could be simple, very complicated. Mm-hmm. So uh, we have a hat filled with our own names and we also have a hat filled with the best picture nominees there's eight Ooh. okay so we should point out that at time of recording we don't know who won no this is on the day of the oscars we're recording this but by the time it comes out you will know if our predictions are wildly accurate or wildly inaccurate and more the fools we'll look <laughs> so i also have a quite a complicated scoring system the films that we get assigned are going to accumulate points throughout the evening so you will get five points if your film wins best picture You'll get four points if your film wins one of the acting categories and also one of the directing categories and also one of the writing categories. And then that triples down into the 
inconsequential award like makeup. The ones in the bre- <laughs> the ones that were in the break but are now not in the break. They've gone back yes, on this. I'm delighted actually that cinematography and editing are back to being broadcast. in the break. Yeah. It was. Oh, they put it back because of the outcry. Well. Do you get a point if your film wins foreign short documentary? Oh, you get two points. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I doubt it will because <laughs> it's not nominated. Because none of them are. <laughs> I'm going to be staying up throughout the night, so I will be updating you on your smart oh, devices cool. as to how your films are getting Luckily on. Luckily, she doesn't have my phone number. <laughs> <laughs> Who's been replying to you? So does this make complete and utter sense, right? Absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. cool. Complete and utter nonsense. <laughs> okay. So let's get the hat of names. Hat of names. Dan, you draw out the first name. <gasps> Who am I going to get? It's Ian Mayer. Oh, okay. I don't know if he's allowed to win from the void, but we'll see. Now draw out a film for Ian Mayer. Ian Mayer will be supporting Bohemian Rhapsody. Mm. If that wins anything, Jesus, that's a terrible film. I think it's in with a shout of best actor. I really enjoyed it. I'm just really out of sync with everybody on this. Were you awake when you watched this film? I was, but my nephew was howling all the way through it and trying to make me play with Lego with him rather than watch the film. <laughs> I agree with John. I think it's a terrible movie, but I really enjoyed it. I, I know <laughs> what you mean, but yeah, I enjoyed it too. In a way, it's so bad it's good? Or? It's terrible and wildly inaccurate. Yeah, it's not a documentary, it's a film. Yeah, but yeah. you know. But people are going, oh, that, that last 20 minutes, that live aid, it's like, it's like watching live, like, it's on DVD, mate. It's on YouTube, we don't yeah. even have to go to the cinema. They stretch the truth so much, it gets mm. ridiculous. He wasn't even gay in real life. No, he wasn't, no. <laughs> <laughs> You're all wrong. Well, no, he was gay, but... <laughs> <laughs> You're all wrong about the film. It's joyful and awesome and fuck you all. <laughs> I think had it not been a queen by a pick, I got so annoyed about what it got wrong yeah. that I couldn't mm. enjoy the film. Yeah, that was it. But I, did, I did really enjoy it. I, I enjoyed it just because I enjoyed hearing all the music again. Again, you, you have a CD player. I actually thought the supporting cast were fantastic. The Brian May in particular. Brian was May really in particular good. was amazing. Anyway, I'm, I'm now reaching into the blue hat mm-hmm. of Destiny, and I've pulled out Hazel. Ooh! I've just Ooh. pulled out Hazel. <laughs> <laughs> you just pulled. Was, Hazel. That, was that nice? <laughs> uh, could be better. Reaching. Oh! <laughs> shot down in flames. You can have Roma. Oh. <laughs> no, in, in no, with a good shout to win. A very good shout to win. Yeah, I haven't seen Roma. My, has anyone seen Roma? My boyfriend Roma. has, and he gave me a one-word review, which is fine. Mm. Mm. Well, hardly seen. glowing. Mm. Oh, and um, there's there was more penis than he was expecting. What was his expectation of That's penis? That's what I asked. It's like your first date. <laughs> <laughs> But but if it does win, it's quite a game changer, isn't it? You know, it'd be the first Netflix movie, mm-hmm. non you know non cinema movie to win an Oscar. It won a lot of Baftas. Mm-hmm. Um, it got best film at the Baftas and best director for Alfonso Cuarón. Yes. yes, I have it's seen it. Roma. What, well, what did you think? It is a very beautifully shot film. I would be very surprised if Alfonso Cuarón does not win best director. You could take pretty much any shot from the film, hang it up in an art gallery, and it would be one of the best things in that gallery. It is very light on plot, not a lot happens. It's a film you could probably have on without any sound and still appreciate and enjoy it. Mm. So while I wouldn't have it as my best picture, I would very much support it for best director, cinematography, and those sorts of awards. So I might kind of accumulate high points. You might well. I think you'll well. do very well with mm. Roma. Mm. Was it more or less penis a... than you expected? 
A lot more. <laughs> a lot more. <laughs> a lot more. Were they, were they standing at attention? In a sense, yeah. The, the guy with it all out has joined a military group, so he's doing his martial arts exercises in front of the main character. Were you watching the start of Die Hard 2 by mistake? <laughs> I was not, um, <laughs> unless the start of Die Hard 2 was black and white and in Spanish, and I didn't realise. That's how I like to go, actually. Black and white and in Spanish? No, no, I like to die hard. Oh, oh, oh God. God. Oh, dear. Apparently you do. What? Well, the water sure. goes down well, below. Well, everybody. Well, every well, man, obviously hey, not. Do people not have an erection after they die? Isn't there something weird like oh, that? They, no, they, 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 procedure. they do something with their bowels. The their bowels are released. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> okay, so I've drawn from the Hat of Doom, I have Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. So because there's eight films and six of us, we have two guests within the hat who regularly appear on our podcast. One of them is Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> <laughs> it's no Richard Iodi, is it? <laughs> so Chris could uh, win an Oscar. So what film is Chris going to get? Chris is going to get... It's Hazel's phone number. <laughs> Black Klansman. Mm, I think that my film of the year. Yeah, it's going to be either yeah. that or Black Panther is obviously going to get a certain strategic section of the voting. I think mm. is yeah. generally believed to be the case this year. But best adapted screenplays, yeah. the only thing mm-hmm. I think it's got a realistic chance in. That will get you four points. Yeah, it screenplay. might be in with an outside shot at best director just because he has never won or mm. been nominated for it before, mm. and they might, which is shocking, really. Yeah, isn't it? they they might go oops and yeah. give him one like they did with Martin Scorsese for The Departed. Some guys raised thousands of pounds on Kickstarter to digitally remove the vat from the end of The Departed. You know that last shot where the vat goes along, mm-hmm. and like uh, the most obvious metaphor in the world, like the most clunking, terrible scene. So for $50 to his Kickstarter fund, he will go to a store, buy a Blu-ray of The Departed, replace it with his version with the VAT digitally removed from the last scene, and send it to you so you can have a nice de-VATed version. Could you not just turn it off slightly earlier? Yeah, nothing else happens in that scene, really. (laughs) John? I am going into the blue hat of names, and I have... I have Dan. I'd like to thank God, my, my parents, my agent. No, sorry, Dan, you're, you're giving the award. Oh. <laughs> and Dan has got, oh, Dan, you've got a star is born. I think you might be lucky here. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'll almost definitely win best song. There's a traditional thing where actors having their first go at directing very often wins best picture, isn't there? It's yeah. happened quite a few times in the past. I really like that movie. Apart from the, the some of the music, I thought was terrible. Later on, when she becomes like a pop sensation, that music was terrible. But oh, I thought, yeah. I thought um, uh, Lady Gaga, her voice really suited the old sort of rock and country mm. style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she's a great uh, and, and a brilliant actress. I, I, I love the movie. Great. Yeah, mm. yeah, it was very much the favourite to win lots of awards when it came out. But people seem to have cooled on it. I mm. think maybe just because it's been out for a few months now. Mm. Thick. I thought all the kind of live footage of it was, was really authentic. They did a live take on Glastonbury. Yeah, I was there, yeah. yeah. And they shot stuff mm. at Coachella as well, mm. Yeah, in between other acts. Oh, Glastonbury, they shot Chris Christopherson was on on the Friday. Yeah. Johnny Depp introduced Bradley Cooper, who then came on and did some songs, and I just filmed it all. Did you know it was for A Star Is Born? Did they tell you anything about it, or was it just, oh, here's Bradley Cooper doing a song? They said it was for a film. I'm not sure they specifically said it was for The Star Is Born. And obviously Chris Christopherson was the star of the previous version of Star Is Born. Mm -hmm. Okay, Dan again. Next name out of the blue hat is Nicolas Cage. (laughs) (laughs) Our second guest. 
And uh, Nicolas Cage will be supporting Vice. Mm. Great film. Yeah, where Nick Cage plays Christine Bale playing Dick Cheney, as I understand <laughs> it. Yeah. That's not going to win anything, is it? Unlikely. Uh, Christian Bale may be, he is very good mm-hmm. in that film, but I don't know whether he's got the momentum. I might put it an outside shot of screenplay. Adam McKay, mm-hmm. uh, he did an, an interesting job. About two thirds of the way through the film, it kind of has a fake ending where Dick Cheney chooses not to become George Bush's vice president. Mm. And then the world is like a much, much more pleasant place. And then it finishes. <laughs> yeah, they, even, they even go into the credits and start yeah. listing the cast. Yeah. And then wow. uh, it cuts back to the real world. So like yeah. a reverse Last Temptation of Christ. Yeah. I really enjoyed Vice. I, I thought, thought Vice brilliant. was great. I don't think it'll win anything, but I really mm. enjoyed it. I really want to see it. Well, I don't know if enjoyed is the right word. Yeah. Angry. Yeah. yeah. I didn't fully understand what was going on at the time, maybe a little bit young, but it explains exactly how ISIS came about. There's some controversy at the moment, isn't there, about... The film implies that his mother-in-law or father-in-law might have been murdered. There is a suggestion that his father-in-law murdered his mother-in-law. And apparently that's just completely invented for the film. There's sort of a a half allusion to it in one of Lynn Cheney's books. Mm -hmm. I think they've kind of used the excuse that nobody really knows all that much about Dick Cheney's personal life to be able to then take some liberties for the purposes of drama. There's a disclaimer at the start of the film that says he's very, very secretive. We've found out what we can and we've used what we can. We did our best. We, we did our fucking best, I think yeah. is what was written on the screen. <laughs> yeah. But we did our fucking best. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Right. Let's continue the sweepstake. Okay, I'm putting my hand into the blue hat. Three names left. And I'm pulling out, pulling off, Peter. Oh, that's a first. Yeah. And Officially. you've got... Oh, Green Book. Ah, okay. Which you watched not 24 hours ago. I did, yes. Yeah, I watched it last night. What do you think? Yeah, I enjoyed it. It's a pack of lies to some extent. It's a very Hollywoodized version mm. of what really happened in pretty much the same way as Bohemian Rhapsody is. Do you not think they... I, I've watched it as well. I think they got the main things right. The things that the audience is supposed to feel, mm-hmm. i.e. kind of anger at... Anger? What's anger? Angua. <laughs> anger at him being not allowed to eat in a restaurant, yes. for example. Yeah, yeah. And he got treated incredibly badly by police officers as well mm-hmm. in the Deep South. So I think they got the main yeah. things right. But the things they fabricated were things like not being in touch with his family, whereas mm. pretty much raised his brother and they're in touch every couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. The odd thing was the ignorance of black culture that he was portrayed as, which his family say is completely misrepresenting how things were. He was friends with Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. And Nina Simone and other singers. So the idea that he knew nothing about popular music was ridiculous. Yeah, there is kind of a cinematic thing where mm. in order to understand black culture, Vigo Mortensen gave him some fried chicken. And he's like, yeah, you guys really well. like this stuff, right? And he's kind of distasteful at the start. And then he starts eating it. And then suddenly... Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a white savior narrative again, though, isn't it? Yeah, It's a little bit that. And it's you could potentially see it as the idea of a black person shouldn't be a classical pianist. and towards the end of the film where he plays traditionally black rhythm and blues music is him where he should be according to the rules of the film being in touch with his own cultural heritage rather Mm -hmm. than saying no it is fine for a black man in the 60s to be a classical pianist Mm -hmm. that's just as valid a way of expressing yourself but it's got problems but Mm. it is still an enjoyable film 
I don't want to say despite that because I am white and I don't want to seem like a racist for enjoying it. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it is more lighthearted than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Mm. There's some comedic moments. Mm-hmm. It was damaged by Peter Fowley, wasn't it? Who is sort mm-hmm. of the dumb and dumber guy. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Which sort of struck me as an yeah. odd mix of director and material. Yeah. And one of the writers is uh, Nick Vallelonga, who is the son of Viggo Mortensen's character. Yes. So, I mean, the fact that it's mostly from that character's perspective kind of makes mm-hmm. sense. If Don Shirley's son mm. wrote it, it might have been a different film. Mm. Viggo Mortensen dropped the end bomb in a press conference yes. in a way that is justifiable in the context of which he said it. He was saying that people shouldn't use that word, but then use the word. So there's been one thing after another. And I don't know whether the accumulation of that is going to hurt his chances. I still think it's going to win Best Picture. I think it's too Hollywoody for them to well, ignore it. Mm. If Driving Miss Daisy did, it's the natural successor to that, isn't it? <laughs> Two names left. Delving once more into the hat of uh, doom, Ian McGoughlin. Hurrah! Ooh. Congratulations. Thank you. And your picture is Black Panther. Ah. Marvel's uh. first flop. <laughs> <laughs> I think Captain Marvel will flop. No one's safe from that woman, do they? Don't joke about that because the trolls have emerged yes, and I they're going that. after Brie been... Larson at the moment. It... It's already got Why? hundreds of negative audience reviews despite nobody having seen it yet. Because she was sick of it basically being one middle-aged white man after another interviewing mm-hmm. her and requested that some of the people sent to interview her were either people of colour or women. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And the trolls did not like that. <sighs> exactly. That's all you can say, So, yeah. Anyway, sorry, Black sorry, Panther. Black Panther that's, cool. that's cool. Black Panther's chances of winning, I think, slim. It may well win something. It'll get technical awards. Yeah, some kind of thing. But I love the movie. It's mm-hmm. great. I love Black Panther, but I don't really think it's oscar material mm-hmm. yeah yeah it would have won if they'd not scrapped it the popular film award <laughs> i'm sure mind you la la land won was it 12 awards yeah not best picture though <laughs> thank god because <laughs> it's one of the worst movies ever made <laughs> seen it. of the eight nominees black panthers had the most impact on culture mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it was yep. the most successful film in america last yep. year by yep. some margin if nothing else, that means films catering to that audience are more likely to get made, so that's got to be a good thing. Mm. DC's most successful one for a while has been the first one that features a woman. Marvel's one their biggest has been the one that finally sort of features black characters. Get in there, be first, make these things, and you will find an audience. John, would you like to pull your own name out? <laughs> it's me, and it's the favourites, <laughs> which I haven't seen. But I would like it. Olivia Coleman should just win every award for everything ever because she's amazing. Oh, she is. I say I've not seen this, but she's just great in everything, so she deserves. She is very good in it. Opinions on the favourite are divided around this table. She portrays Queen Anne not the way you would expect in a costume or a period drama. There's a vulnerability to her as a character in amongst moments of comedy and drama and power, and she plays all of that just really, really well. I don't think she'll beat Glenn Close for Best Actress because mm. it's the Oscars and the Oscars want to give Glenn Close an award because they haven't done it the last six times. She has oh. a record for most nominations and no wins. Yeah. yeah. But Olivia Coleman winning would be a lovely thing to have. Mm-hmm. Richard E. Grant, he deserves it. love he, him to win. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not sure he will, but... I love how giddy and excited he is about being included. It's just like lovely to watch and him and his family all celebrating the there fact that he's a There was nominated. a very annoying article that came out recently claiming that his enthusiasm and exuberance at finally being in this awardsy world and getting to go to all the parties is just him slyly campaigning 
She's in the Guardian, books. wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and other scripts. He has um, admitted that he's had all sorts of other offers for things as well. Yeah. yeah. But you hear interviews with him and he just sounds genuinely I love enjoying him. his life at the moment. So it's mm. very cynical and pessimistic to think of it any other way. Did anyone listen to the podcast with David Tennant and Olivia Coleman? I did. It was really good, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, it's really interesting to hear her own, not insecurities, but the fact she doesn't like being recognised. She doesn't like the feeling that 50 camera phones are on her. She clearly enjoys working and acting, but the fame and the celebrity around it is yeah. definitely not for her. And it's really nice interview because they're just two friends chatting, but sad in a way that she can't just go out with her family without thinking about who's watching me. Maybe you should stop following her then. Maybe, but <laughs> <laughs> she's the queen. <laughs> so you were not a fan, is that like um, Hazel? I thought it was a very well-made film. The acting was astonishing. So I think if Olivia Coleman wins, that would I'd be really mm -hmm. happy with that. Uh, there was just a few moments where I just felt uncomfortable watching it. The first one was with the rabbit. Yep. Mm. Uh, any sort of cruelty to animals, I can't stand. So on a side note, I just started watching Catastrophe. And I watched the first episode of the second season and it involved a dead dog. And I don't think I can watch it anymore because it's mm. kind of scarred me. Don't watch John Wick. No. <laughs> <laughs> it took uh, me years to be brave enough to watch John Wick because I knew that mm -hmm. a dog died in it. The second thing was I just felt quite uncomfortable with the two main protagonists taking advantage of this vulnerable woman, i.e. the mm. queen. And it just descended into a bit too much darkness for me. I know that that's not me saying it's a bad film. I just, it just meant I didn't enjoy it. Mm -hmm. So I think if it wins the Oscars, great. Yeah, I think it's wonderful that a British film was so well recognised within the Oscars, but it wasn't my cup of tea. It's another story that's bollocks as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's, would it help it? you to know that that aspect of it is inaccurate, historically? Yeah, it would, yes. Yes, uh, that's not quite what happened. Mm. For a start, she had a mm. husband. Yeah, who was mm. present and with her all the time. Yeah, mm. and, and there were various other people around. The bunnies are made up. Yeah. There were no bunnies. Mm. So no bunnies got hurt. They are metaphorical bunnies. I can understand the bunnies being made up. That's fair enough. But I mean, this is history, isn't it? It was so you were focused on the relationship between those two women and he wasn't relevant to that relationship. Yeah. Was it that he just wasn't mentioned or was it? He's, barely, he's not even he referred to. Portrayed her is very much on her own and at the mercy mm. of mm. these two. Mm. Yeah. But I think part of that comes from Yorgos Lanthimos being a Greek director he mustn't have felt beholden to the British history mm. feeling, oh, I better get that bit right. He was just focused on the story and the power dynamics. Mm -hmm. The history was not important to him, okay. as it might have been to a British director. And what's with the weird Vogue dancing? And oh, that's just being And the weird, weird costumes stuff. that weren't of yeah. the period. And yeah, all I've, I've seen The Lobster choices. and the favourite was pretty restrained compared oh, to The Lobster. Oh, it's that director. That director. I'm instantly 20% more interested in seeing it. Yeah. I really like The Lobster. Mm. So out of all, all of those eight films, which do we think is capable of accumulating the most points throughout the evening? Roma. You reckon? I think Roma will probably get the most points. Mm -hmm. I think Roma will get the most points, but Star is Born will get the big one. That would be a, a, a surprise, I think. Mm -hmm. I think Olivia will win. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go with the favourite just to be different. The favourite swept the board at the BAFTAs. Um, I know that's not saying kind of a ceremony, but... I think my money's on the favourite, mm. but I do think that Rami Malek is going to get best actor for mm -hmm. Bohemian Lap. So how are we going to cope with the fact that we don't actually know who's going to win? How should we do that? Let's just all take it in terms to say, yay, <laughs> I won. And let's see if Chris and Nick are in there as well. Hooray, my film won. I'm very pleased. 
And the Oscar went to me. I am a winner. Woo! I'd like to thank the Academy and everyone else. My name is Chris Emsworth, and I'm surprised but happy to have won. I'm Nicholas Cage. The bees! Ah! Uh, 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 I'm Nicholas Cage. <laughs> Elvis? <laughs> Hello, I'm Hazel Burton. <laughs> My film won. I should probably invent some kind of prize, specifically because I'm going to win for the sweepstakes. Mm, why don't you treat yourself to something nice? Treat yourself. Yeah, treat yourself. Go <laughs> <laughs> something nice. Go and get get get, get out of town. Get yourself a nice dress or something like that. You know? Nice dress. <laughs> nice dress. <laughs> yeah, that might add the warmer out. Which of the <laughs> others of us have to get? <laughs> One of us is turning up in a nice dress at the next uh, record. Yes. We're hoping it's Hazel. <laughs> I think the prize should be relevant to the film that wins. So if Roma wins, it's a holiday to Rome. If Green Book wins, you get a green book. Do I get a Black Panther? You get a Black Panther. Dead Rabbit, please. Black Panther gets to join the, the club. No. <laughs> uh, hang on. Um, a Star is Born gets hood. some magic stars. Um, the Favourite wins 17 rabbits. And Vice wins... Presidency. The Presidency, yes. <laughs> that, that works. And that is it for another Nerdfest podcast. Remember to check us out on social media. We're at Nerdfest UK on Twitter, on Facebook. And the next episode will be our 30th. So I think we'll do something super special for that. Like record another episode. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe one without John. Maybe just, <laughs> you know, 30. That would be special. Get a mortgage. <laughs> I wish. Get those first grey hairs. When we were young, you could do that at 30. <laughs> So join us for that scintillating episode. But until then, you have been listening to... Dan and the Pussycats. Ian McLaughlin. Peter Johnson. Ian's Valentine's Day surprise. (laughs) And I'm Hazel Thurton. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Uh, So now that the Oscars has been shown and we know who the winners is... Ah, ah. So unchanged hairs and So now that the Oscars has been shown, we all know who the winners are. Oh, for fuck. <laughs> Grammar. Oscars. Oscars. The Academy Awards. So now that the Oscars has been broadcast, we all know who the winners. What? You shaking the head? You head at me for? Have it's plural. Well, not in ha, have, has no, been broadcast. The Oscars as a ceremony I'm is a secular it really quickly. <laughs> now you know how I feel. Have or has? The Oscars ceremony the has. The Oscars ceremony has. Okay. The Oscars have been awarded. Okay, so now the Oscars have been awarded. The winner of the sweepstake is... Mr. Ian McLaughlin. Yay! <laughs> Mr. Daniel Watkins. Yay! Uh, Mr. Peter Johnson. Yay! Mr. Don Farthing. Woohoo! And the winner is Nick Cage. <laughs> <laughs> and the winner is Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> no, get You're back. Thor, I'm Thor, I'm on a piffle morning. <laughs> and the winner is Hazel Burton! Woohoo! Get my nice dress. <laughs> <laughs>